face and a fading light We were bound to get together, bound to get together She took my arm, I don't know how it happened We hit the floor and she said Oh, don't you dare look back, just keep your eyes on me I said you're holding back She said shut up and dance with me This woman is my destiny She said Kara Jay is a professional actor and saxophonist originally in New York City, now in the D.C. area. Some of her recent gigs were the Cerco Hermanos Vasquez Circus Band, the Ride Tour Bus, and performing in Sinbad's house band at Caroline's of Broadway. You can find her on Instagram at Kara Jay Bird, that's C-A-R-A-J-A-Y-E-B-I-R-D. She said, shut up and dance with me. Hi, Kara. Hey, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Doing well. You and I met one another at Shetler Studios one day. We were, I don't know, I was probably at a callback or something, or, and you were probably doing the same, and you were out in the lobby. Uh, not the lobby, actually. It was just like in that, that entrance to the main uh, audition studios area. I don't remember why we started talking, but we did. Yeah, I was either there for class or I was just hanging out. I think Shetler's a great hanging spot for artists in New York City. And I'm definitely gonna miss uh, Miss Shetler a lot. Yes. Uh, so there's so many sad stories happening right now in our theater world. Mm-hmm. It's just so many places that are having to, to shut her up, and who knows if they're going to be able to reopen when we're we're all done? Because they've lost it's a tremendous amount of money to try to keep something open in New York. So of course, I mean, with rent prices and if yeah, if, if only everyone could get a break, um, it's been really hard. Yeah. So you were at Shetler just to kind of network or you were at an audition or something? Um, I actually, I was taking acting classes at the Acting Studio New York, which previously had its uh, studio in Shetler. And I was either there for class, I might have been talking to you right before I started class, or sometimes I just hang out there when I need a spot to hang in Midtown. It's pretty convenient, you know, they have a bathroom, a uh, place to charge your phone. <laughs> so I'm going to miss that a lot. You're primarily uh, seems as a musician, a saxophonist, mm-hmm. but you were getting involved in acting. I've done a lot of investigation discovery shows. They film all around the DMV. You know, they, they treat their cast and crew very well. And so I was recently doing a TV show with them. I wrapped the day they announced that Broadway was going to close. So that was very lucky. Are you a particular type of saxophonist going to your, your primary art form here? Um, I would, I play all the saxophones. I play soprano, alto, tenor, and berry, and I play a lot of different styles, and yeah, it was, uh, my path through school. I was a jazz performance major in college. So how did the, how did saxophone become part of your world? How old were you? What was happening? So, uh, when I was in elementary school, my fourth grade teacher was a sax player, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever, so I was like, I want to be a sax player. And uh, in fifth grade, I started learning, and I never stopped. So why saxophone as opposed to any other instrument? 
oh man, it's the sound, it's the look. I just always thought it was the coolest instrument. It's a beautiful instrument and it's so close to the human voice and you, it's just, oh, it's a great instrument. I grew up listening to a lot of uh, 50s and 60s and 70s music and you got some of the best sax solos coming out of that music. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, uh, I have a theory and I, it may be completely convoluted or maybe it's accurate, but I have two musicians with me right now, you and Celine. So Celine's a professional drummer. So nice. It seems to me in my novice that instruments have certain personalities that they give us. So, mm -hmm. so when I think of saxophone, I think of sexiness. Um, I think of, you know, getting into a mood um, or just maybe some soul. And then when I think of violins, I think of deep, deep, beautiful sadness or really, really inspiring emotions that, that arise from that. Do you, th do you think, and I guess this is for both of you, do you think that different instruments hold different personalities and that as musicians, you know, if you're trying to convey a certain sound, you're going to want a certain instrument? Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, with saxophone, like you said, it's definitely like very soulful. So, you know, with a lot of the R&B music, I mean, it just, it's perfect. And again, it's so close to the human voice, you can do so much with it. So if you had to pick a different instrument, if all of a sudden saxophone no longer existed, what would you be playing? Well, uh, I did study drums in college. Uh, so I would say if I couldn't play sax anymore, I would play drum set. I'd say that's a good choice. Just yeah, for sure. A little biased. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was lucky. Um, in college, I was also a professional mascot, and I had a big performance uh, at March Madness in 2018. I was the UMBC mascot, and uh, I performed on drum set with the pep band, and that went viral on ESPN, and that was really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so I love saxophone, I love drums. So starting at four years old, when you saw that teacher, that was- Oh, no, no, not four years old, fourth grade. Sorry, sorry. No, fourth no grade. worries. <laughs> so roughly nine years old or so, you, you mm -hmm. thought sax is my thing. Yeah. So did you get serious about it right away or did it take some time to get really committed to learning that instrument? You know, I never, when I was younger, I never thought I was going to become a musician. So I definitely thought, hey, I'm going to learn saxophone. I didn't think I was going to stick with it. I didn't think I was even going to be able to read music. So I was sort of like, all right, I'm going to do um, a rental with the sax. And my mom sort of gave me an ultimatum. She's like, I'm renting your sax for you. If you make it past like the three month mark, we're buying you one. I kept going. And I didn't realize how much I was going to love it. I didn't realize how much it was going to be my identity. Yeah, you have to brand yourself to a certain degree, of course, on Instagram. And so I see constantly pictures of you with the sax. Or more often than not, I really enjoy when there's just you in some, I don't know, different places in New York just busting out your sax. And yeah. I, think, I think I even saw some where like, you're playing your sax and then some kind of spontaneous jam session comes because there's another musician nearby. Uh, yeah. That sort of comes about uh, through this company that I was previously working for called The Ride, which is this really cool entertainment tour bus in New York City. And oh, it's an amazing company because they hire so many 
amazing, talented performers, comedians, actors, musicians, dancers, to do entertainment on the streets of New York. And this bus comes driving through Midtown and it makes these stops at these different street corners. And, you know, not only are you getting a tour of Midtown, but you're seeing these shows that are synced in with the bus. Let's hear it from New York. Comfy jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can do. Now you're in New York, New York, New York. One hand in the air of the big city. Street lights, big dreams all over me. No place in the world can compare. Put your lights in the air and everybody say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 New York. These streets will make you feel brand new. Big lights will inspire you. Let's hear it from New York, New York, New So I perform with a fellow singer when I'm out on the street. And I've also met a lot of celebrities just being out on the street corner. I went on one of their, their tours, their, their bus rides. It was hilarious. I mean, the entire thing was, was so well done. Like the, the two people that were hosting on the bus uh, that would defer to the ride who would take over sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. They were so good at improv and ad lib. How long were you with the ride? And did you do anything other than sax with them? Were you able to, you know, wax comedic or anything? Um, I actually, I was with the ride for three years. Um, I had just celebrated my three year anniversary with them. And they did let me do one other position at the company as a performer, which was as New Year's Eve guy. So when the bus is coming through Times Square, they come to a stop uh, right at Father Duffy. And I'm standing there with like this crazy, like neon colored poncho. I've got like the 2020 glasses, the beads. And they basically, I'm the first stop on the tour. So they're like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm uh, here to celebrate New Year's. And they're like, um, you're like nine months too early. I'm like, really? You sure about that? And then we all sort of count down and uh, sing old Lang Syne. I'm assuming that you're from the DC area mm -hmm. and that you came to New York to pursue your passion for a living. Exactly. So how long uh, were you doing that? I was in New York three years. Um, I moved there I, end of January 2017. And I was in New York up until March 16th. And I'm assuming you had no intentions of leaving New York at that point? Um, no, I mean, I was going to stay had, you know, nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think all of us artists had stuff in place for the future. I... I was supposed to actually work on a TV show uh, the day before I left the city and they canceled that. And um, I was supposed to join a new band. Like I had a lot of stuff in the works and I was, you know, talking to a lot of artists who had other stuff in the works and everything just came to a grinding halt. Do you have any projects on the go right now, like virtually, because everything stopped in person everywhere, pretty much. I have teamed up with some of my friends. I have a uh, musician friend in New York who I've uh, recorded some sax for, and uh, he's a singer, so, you know, we're trying to put stuff together. And then uh, my boyfriend is here in Maryland with me, so he's a professional musician as well, and we've been doing a couple videos together. 
um, you know, just trying to keep the creative fire going. And what does your boyfriend do? How did you meet him? So I met him uh, back in October. I uh, joined the Circo Hermanos Vasquez, which is a traveling circus. And I was going to be in the circus band for the last leg of their tour, which was in New York City. So for a couple weeks, we were in Queens. And then for a couple weeks, we were in the Bronx. And it was cool to be a part of that show, uh, being able to, you know, still live in my apartment, but sort of be a part of this tour. And uh, my boyfriend was, uh, he was in the band and we started going out and he ended up staying in New York and he started working at the ride with me. And once all this hit, he uh, came down to Maryland with me. What's your state right now? I mean, about 30 days into this, I could only handle so much GoldenEye, so much of everything, my housemates, everything baking every recipe I hadn't baked. And I started to go really stir crazy and end up in kind of a fog. So there was this uncomfortableness mixed with comfortableness. What's it been like for you? I had issues getting through to New York unemployment like everyone did. And I sort of gave up on unemployment. I was like, I'm going to apply for a job. And I ended up getting hired at Costco. Um, about two weeks into quarantine. So I've been working at Costco for the past seven weeks. So I have not had a chance to really have a lot of downtime. Uh, so I've been lucky, I've been very busy. It's been a really great balance. I usually work between three and five days a week. And then when I'm home, I'm practicing my instrument a lot and uh, just taking the sort of downtime that everyone has that I'm like now relishing because of uh, less time to do it. Any concerns when you're at Costco? I mean, are you worried about catching this because you're around so many people? I am. Um, a couple weeks into working there, I did have a fever for two days and uh, that scared me a lot. I took a week off work and they said, um, you know, if you're three days fever free, you can return. And I did get checked out by a doctor and was able to return to work. Um, so there is a concern, but I do try my very best to stay healthy. They provide us with surgical masks. They provide us with gloves. And we're frequently cleaning shopping carts. We're cleaning the belts. Um, you know, there's, they're, they're trying to keep everything very clean. They've been installing sneeze guards. So they're trying their best to keep us safe while still allowing customers to shop. I guess I can call you now essential workers. What are your thoughts when this finally does pass and we start to turn the world back on a little bit? Uh, what are your thoughts and feelings moving forward? You know, I, I can't even begin to predict the future right now. I, you know, even if New York opens up for business again, you know, when are tourists going to start returning? You know, when is the tourism industry even going to start up again in entertainment? You know, it's going to be a long time. There's going to be a lot of steps to be taken first, you know, what's going to be the first thing to open? It's probably going to be, you know, restaurants and stores, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a slow process and it's been hard to think about. I was going to say, do you have a, a vision for yourself as, and goals for yourself uh, for what types of creative work you're going to be doing in the months to come? I mean, I would love to sort of pick up where I left off and just, you know, continue to audition and continue to pursue TV, theater, film and performing uh, music and you know, we'll see what happens. It's, um, it's just crazy because I, you know, I see there's a lot of people doing like Zoom readings of plays and it's just not the same, you know, you really have to 
be there in person and feeding off the audience. And it's scary to think that could potentially be the future. So what do you, do you have an idea of what you can create in this time? I mean, you have a berry sax at your disposal. There's a lot of power in the berry sax. You can create there. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the opportunity now, you know, while I'm in a house and not an apartment to practice a lot, uh, to really work out the ugly sounding stuff, you know, like overtones and long tones and being able to make a lot of noise and just learning songs. You know, I do want to make a lot of videos and stuff and transcribe and do covers, all that stuff. But I don't really have a vision yet for once this ends, what I'm going to do. You know, again, hopefully all the projects that I was gonna do, you know, joining a band and whatnot, hopefully that'll all resume once life goes back to normal. Is there somebody in New York that you wanted to see live, that you got to see live because you went from, uh, went, went into New York? Uh, one of my favorite artists is Billy Joel and I had the amazing honor of seeing him at Madison Square Garden twice. I was able to buy like a last minute day of ticket. And that is a New York experience. It's an experience altogether. And I'm so glad I got to do that because who knows what that's going to be like in the future. Are they going to be able to fill arenas? The arts are so essential to life. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, obviously those of us who are artists feel that way. But look at what everybody who is not an artist is doing in this downtime. They're watching tons of movies, playing music like they've never played before. I mean, creating little, little videos. And these are people that are not traditionally artists. They're just trying to occupy their time. We need the arts to, to function. So I think that mm -hmm. when we start to turn the world back on, it's going to be a, a, probably a messy process of, of getting things to normal-ish until things start to get back to everybody getting comfortable. And we need that human connection so much that I think we're gonna take those risks to get out there and, and we're probably gonna be, a lot more of us, other than just New Yorkers, are gonna be carrying around, you know, Purell and, and face masks and just things to keep us feeling like we're safe until yeah. we feel a normalcy. For sure. And, you know, even like in my day to day life in New York, I'm very clean and, you know, I would never touch a subway pole. And if I did, you know, I always had Purell on hand. So, you know, I guess if life goes back to normal, you know, that I guess some of us will be ready for it. And, you know, enhanced cleaning wouldn't be such a bad thing. And what happens when New York comes back on? What are your, do you have, uh, were you subletting? Did you have your own apartment? Where are you going to live? I was, I, I'm still currently subletting, um, but my lease is up end of August. So I am going to move out before then and, you know, start fresh. Um, you know, that way I don't have to pay for an apartment if it's not going to be used. Because at this point, if Broadway's closed through September 6th, at least, you know, who knows how long everything else is going to take and it could even be extended, you know. Thinking about your experience with New York as a saxophonist, as a musician, I'm sure you have lots and lots of memorable moments and shows. There are two that come to mind because I've seen uh, pictures of one, videos of one, and then you, you shared another one with me in an email. So if you could share what your experience was like with Sinbad and with the traveling circus and anything else that comes, what are your, some of your most memorable New York musician experiences? Um, 
Well, definitely uh, Sinbad was an experience. So the way that started was I was out on my street corner uh, performing for the ride and Sinbad was coming out of the cafe behind me and he's on the phone and he comes over to me and he's like, yo, play me something funky. And I was like, okay, is that Sinbad? Maybe I'll play something for him. And we started talking and he's like, yeah, yeah, I uh, dabble in saxophone a little. I was like, cool. Well, if you ever need a sax lesson, and I handed him my card and he's like, cool, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, nothing. He's like, cool, I'll call you. And I was like, yeah, sure, a celebrity, whatever. And sure enough, the next day I get a phone call from an LA number and I answer it and it was him. And he's like, hey, let's meet up today and uh, could you give me a sax lesson? I was like, uh, yeah, of course. And so we developed this friendship. And then uh, back in like November, December, he said he was going to be in Maryland. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, maybe we can collaborate. And uh, I ended up performing with him for his show in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. But there were like technical difficulties. So I didn't really get to do much. But I was out on stage with him, which was cool. And then he said, hey, we got to do something big for Caroline's in New York. You know, it's a big venue. It's a big deal. I want to put a whole band together. I said, that sounds great. And we were performing with some top-notch musicians and he did a whole music bit at the end of all his shows and he incorporated you know the use of a band and you know creative ideas were flowing we decided on songs and we kept you know changing things up and having little bits it was amazing gig so uh, I, I'm a member of a bunch of um, 
you know, like uh, musician groups on Facebook for New York. And someone, the music director had posted, hey, we're looking for an alto saxophonist for a circus. And no one was like clicking on this thing. No one was like responding to him. So I was like, let me see what's up. And I shot him a message and I'm like, tell me more. This is kind of interesting. And he's like, yeah, we're going to be in the New York area from September through December. I was like, okay, cool. So I don't have to travel. He's like, no, it's all within the New York area. And he's like, well, you have to commit to every show. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm in a band. I have gigs. I have rehearsals. I have this other job. I have other gigs. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, I'll check in. We'll see. And he checked in. He's like, yeah, you have to be at every show. And I was like, all right, look, I want this gig a lot. What if I get subs? And he checked in again. He's like, if you can guarantee that you have a sub for every show, the gig is yours. So I immediately started finding subs and the gig was mine. And it was so cool. The music was very challenging and modern and cool, like very Cirque du Soleil style. And the circus just had top-notch talent, top-notch musicians. And I got to gig every single day, you know, and weekends I was doing six shows and it just taught me so much and I grew so much and I met so many amazing people. And, you know, it was only seven weeks, but it was so cool to be able to be gigging every day. That's really awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. It's amazing how New York can really just help you have an adventure every single day. And you end up in these, mm -hmm. these incredible uh, situations where they just, they, you know, one of the reasons that we become artists, I believe all of us, and I could be wrong, but I believe is that we want life experiences. There are days where I have an audition, followed by a shoot, followed by a callback, followed by a rehearsal, followed by a table read. I mean, that's a dream. That is a dream right I've, there. I've had so many of those days. And, and on those days, it's just, I just go like, this is my life. Like, this is, mm -hmm. why, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing is for this. Yes. Like, there was one Sunday before a three show day that I had a shoot. And I remember there was one like Sunday before a show too that I had, I was an audition monitor and I had an audition and I had a callback. I mean, it's so fun. Like when a whole day can be dedicated to you living out your creative dreams. I love performing. And one of my other passions is being a professional mascot. I was the mascot of my university all four years, the only person doing it. And it was just biggest passion of mine outside of being a music major, which is kind of a dream to go to school, to be a musician. And then on the side, you get to dress up as a big furry dog. I mean, what a college experience. And through, through being that mascot, I networked with so many teams and organizations, and I ended up getting a lot of other pro jobs. I was a major league lacrosse mascot. I was a world team tennis mascot. I got to go to March Madness, and I was featured on TV, and I did um, the, the dance-off versus the other mascot in the final game, and I won. And there were polls that named me the number one mascot in March Madness. I mean, the accolades were very impressive. In fact, just a couple months ago, I was actually interviewed for a book about UMBC's run in March Madness. So, I mean, that was definitely a big part of my life. And it still is. Uh, I was actually supposed to do an event uh, as the UMBC Retriever back in April. But, you know, events aren't happening right now. Uh, but 
despite being an alum, I'm still filling in for a couple of events here and there. And two years ago, I was the Staten Island Yankees mascot. So, oh, man, mascotting has taken me so many places. I've had so many experiences, met a lot of people. It's just been a dream. That's fascinating. You are the first person I've ever met with that story <laughs> about mascotting and taking it to these, these levels. I'm assuming that seeing you in that costume is, is what attracted your boyfriend to you when he first saw you? Um, I definitely, uh, that was definitely a story I told all the guys in the circus band and they're like, wait, wait, what? And I would show them videos and they're like, I can't believe this is real. I mean, you know, mascotting is such a secretive, uh, job that when you meet, uh, when people meet a mascot, they're like, wow, I, I, I never thought I'd meet a mascot, you know? And lately there's been so many different like movies and tv shows featuring mascots and it's like i got to be a part of that boom the mascot hall of fame just opened right outside of chicago a couple years ago and it's like people are now paying attention to mascots and it's so fun being a part of like this underground world where like you're meeting the guys behind the masks of these legendary characters like the oriole bird from baltimore and the baltimore ravens i mean I know these guys personally. I'm Facebook friends with them. I keep in touch with them. It's such a crazy little network. I forwarded an email to you. Keeping on top of my emails is another thing uh, that's you know tough during this time because you have so many like companies and organizations that are just bombarding you every day. You know, keep us alive, shop our sales, everything, and it's very overwhelming. Man, like keeping on top of your emails is a job unto itself. It's so strange, like. We've got nothing but time right now, most of us. And yet there's this lethargy that, that has kind of taken over where, I mean, there's so many things that could be done. I've got a list of four things that I need to do that have been on my list for weeks. I haven't done any of them. And they, they, I could knock them out. But. Easy, but it yeah, it's it's the it's the state of just actually doing it. Uh, that's why I've been keeping my saxophone put together. Normally, I put it, you know, I take it apart at the end of the day after practicing. But if I keep it out on the stands and it's put together, I'm gonna pick it up and play it. So I think it's just about um, making your tasks more accessible. You know, uh, keeping a space for you to do things. Like you're more likely to work out if you clear a space for it you know you're more likely to practice your instrument if it's sitting right there good advice yeah i mean honestly like that's probably something a lot of us could be heating right now and that's something i learned like years ago when i was taking sax lessons i was like you know like sometimes i just don't feel like practicing and my teacher's like just keep your saxophone together and stick it in a corner of a room that you're always in and you're gonna want to pick it up and play it it's sitting there and i was like yeah that's a good point i mean it takes three minutes to open your case and put your horn together but it's the idea of doing that before practicing you're like well i don't want to do it if it's already put together you know you're, you're done you just have to play it thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story thanks guys let's hear it from you.